Welcome to the Deep Hire Podcast, where each episode we explore the worlds of recruiting and staffing, technology, business, and the roles we have within them. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me on another Deep Hire Podcast. Today, I am joined by Greg Packer, the CEO of Access Point. We discuss what does it mean to be integrable? What principles does his company rest upon that have allowed him to grow in a positive direction? And lastly, what he would say to companies and leaders who are currently facing significant challenges due to the coronavirus. Without further ado, here is Greg Packer. Greg Packer, President and CEO of Access Point. We work in the human resources space, so we provide small to medium-sized employers with access to a very sophisticated HRIS platform to manage all of the employment-related responsibilities. And then we provide a human component along with that to help give them expertise and advice on uh, how to be compliant and how to thrive and provide a, a you know, world-class employment experience for their employees. So jumping right, right into what we were just discussing, if you could put any message out to people who who need it right now, you know, with the coronavirus and any changes that that's making to their company's structure, what would you say? I think that my first bit of advice would be to 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 maintain calm, be, you know, be calm and be thoughtful. You know, digest the circumstances as they lay out in front of you uh, when you're making decisions. Uh, you know, we work with thousands of employers. Uh, we are essentially their uh, HR departments, and uh, the people who seem to be weathering the storm the best are those who are able to you know, relax, digest all the different new variables that they're experiencing and then make decisions uh, as opposed to you know, react or overreact to fears and concerns and things that they're um, uh, being faced with. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, um, that's great advice. And just jumping into that with you, how, what do you do to, to remain calm? If you're ever feeling overwhelmed, do you have certain habits or tricks that you, that you rely on? I don't know that I have any habits or tri- tricks. I've, I guess I've been blessed with, I've always been a fairly calm person. I don't, um, it has its pluses and minuses right now. I think there are some pluses. I don't experience a lot of highs and lows. Um, uh, sometimes my wife and others get uh, upset that I don't get real excited. Rah, rah. Um, yeah. I, you know, I've had a, a daughter, uh, you know, win a, win a gold medal playing for team USA in ice hockey. And, uh, I, I'm not doing backflips. And she does that. And um, similarly, when there's lots of challenges, I'm just able to sort of slow things down in my mind and um, you know, make decisions and be thoughtful. And uh, so it's served me well. Yeah, I could see how that could be confusing to other people who who really aren't that way. I, I don't think I'm quite that way, although I am striving to to be a little bit more that way just to get those benefits, like being able to take new challenges in stride and you know not not let it not let it frazzle you as i'm sure so many people are experiencing right now um i talked to this woman the other day on the podcast and her her aura was calm and and had a nice pace the way she spoke and she's just one of those people that she was 59 and she was telling me about how she's experienced trouble in the past and 
she was saying how taking the long-term approach is, is something that's helped her. And, um, and I thought that was good advice too. Just thinking, okay, yep, this is a bump in the road, but, um, you know, assuming that we don't go out of business, I mean, that's a great assumption and it's not a light assumption and it's not one that many people can say, but, but, um, being able to take that long-term approach and saying, all right, yep, this is a bump of the road, but we're gonna, we're gonna get out of it and, um, hopefully improve in the future and just keep, keep moving forward. I would concur with that. I think that a lot of times it's hard, you know, for entrepreneurial minded people, they tend to, um, you know, have a certain component of their personality that is a visionary. And right now it's hard to get clarity on what that vision looks like. Um, You know, there's so many variables and, you know, it's, you know, is this a new normal or is this just a temporary interruption to normal? Um, People struggle with that. But I think that, um, you know, there are certain basic principles in play and the people who are smart enough, crafty enough, you know, intuitive enough, to have been successful thus far um, are likely to chart a course through this process and beyond that's going to continue to help them be successful. Uh, I think that, um, you know, as I talk to people in different organizations, um, I think large organizations are going to be looking to, um, you know, centralize supply chains and keep things closer. I think this has exposed some weakness to a lot of things in our, in our world economy. Uh, which is, is great maybe to get the absolute lowest cost price. But, you know, when you need parts from China um, and there's an interruption of this nature, China's a long way away. Mm-hmm. So is it worth it to pay a little bit more, but to have things a little bit closer? So I think there's going to be some reevaluation of those kinds of things. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity. Usually with change comes opportunity. But right now we're just stuck in the middle of this change, really the, the, the beginning of the middle of this change. and uh, I think people are still struggling to see that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I would echo that. Um, um, so I'm fascinated by people, people who, people who lead companies to success. It's, um, fascinating to, to me, how you manage your teams and how you, how you manage this big thing, this seemingly big and complex thing and you, you guide it towards success. So, so uh, I love to ask CEOs and people who are, you know, at the forefront of the, of the direction of, of a company, what, what, what are some of the biggest principles that you rely on for, for guiding your company where you think it should go? Culturally, we have a, um, a guideline that we try to follow that's all focused around the word care. It's sort of is at the center of our core values. And, um, you know, that, that along with integrity drives how we do things. Um, you know, we, we went through a process where we tried to identify who were our best people. And keep in mind, our whole organization is about taking care of other organizations, making sure that they, their paychecks are processed on time, that their benefit payments are made, that they're, HR related questions are answered. You know, we are their HR departments. Um, So care for us um, represents that that we're committed. We have a team of committed people. So we try to look at challenges, you know, that we're, we're committed to doing the right thing, you know, operating with integrity. Um, 
we're uh, adaptable. We have to be adaptable because the rules are always changing, no, no more so than right now. Um, you know, we, uh, in the last 72 hours, basically equipped our whole organization to be in a work from home mode. Many people were somewhat compatible with that already. Uh, but again, we're processing paychecks every week. So our clients are counting on us to make sure their employees have you know, food on their table. Mm -hmm. So we can't really interrupt that. So we've maintained full operational capacities um, because we've, you know, we've been adaptable. Mm -hmm. um, we have to also be resilient because a lot of times you know, people call and are frustrated and you know, the role that we play for our clients um, uh, is one where um, you know, tensions are high and frustrations are high. Uh, you know, people are losing jobs. And, um, you know, we have to sometimes play a bit of a counselor role. And sometimes we get a lot of blame for things that aren't really always our fault. Yeah. But uh, we have to, to take those on, be resilient and move forward. Um, and then, you know, we have a lot of people here who are exceptional. And we believe we have to be exceptional because not everybody can deal with those first three things well. Um, you know, some people don't take criticism well. Some people don't take the blame and move on. Um, you know, what, you know, in our world, if we make mistakes, we have to recognize them, own up to them, uh, correct them, and move forward. Uh, and that takes an exceptional group of people. So, you know, care is sort of our guiding principle overall, um, and that's what it represents to us, and it, it drives how we evaluate and make decisions. That was really well put. And um, something I want to touch on is how you can tell when something's been your fault or when it's not been. I mean, we've heard that customer is always king, but um, in a I wonder how you how you deal with with receiving blame that you don't think you deserve. We have hundreds of thousands of transactions that we manage. You know, pe people calling to pay rate changes and deduction changes and um, you know bank account changes. So you know, so we do make mistakes, um, and when we make mistakes, we have to, we have to own up to it so that you know, that that's having integrity. Um, but there's also situations where you know we had. Um, just recently, a, a client situation where um, an employee, an, an owner actually at one of our client sites, uh, his email account was hacked. Um, the hacker sent an email instruction to his internal employee to change the bank account for his paycheck. And then that person sent us communication changing it in our system because we're the ones who actually issue the paychecks. Mm -hmm. So for uh, the last two months, this person's paycheck has gone to an account that wasn't theirs. Um, so when they initially called, it was all our fault. Why were we paying this person? What were we going to do? How were we going to get this money back? And uh, all these different uh, things. Um, you know, we just said, you know, we'll, we'll look into it. You know, we'll do what we can. And then we circled back and said, listen, this wasn't really our fault. You actually sent us an email from a legitimate email address telling us to make this change. We followed your direction. Mm -hmm. You received a bad email. Um, and then we pointed out that we do, you know, we do have a partnership with a cybersecurity program that uh, we could help them tap into to provide protection going forward on that uh, issue. So you're just walking them through it. But frankly, there's a lot of times when we just accept responsibility and move forward because it's just not worth trying to um, you know, debate with the client, you know, who was wrong and who wasn't. A lot of times it's, you know, you know, you know, I, I like to use the saying that um, there's always two sides to, to, to a pancake, regardless how thin the pancake is. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it's often a situation where we know it's the clients that really made the error, but 
um, you know, we're here to serve, we're here to take care of them, and it's easier just to fix the problem and not worry about defending ourselves and um, you know, diverting that blame. Yeah, definitely. That's um, that that is. I've experienced that as well in my life, and I'm sure it translates to to businesses as well as a bunch of other bunch of other components of of um, of human relations. Um, something something I'd like to know about you personally or professionally. What what is one goal that you are that you have currently? Um, that excites you? Um, it can be personal, personal or professional, whatever. I don't know if it's a goal necessarily, but one of the things I'm most excited about right now is that I'm about to become a grandpa. Hey, congratulations. So, um, thank you. So I've got uh, my son and daughter-in-law and uh, my daughter uh, and her spouse are both having uh, babies in July and September of this year. So my wife and I are excited. That sort of seems to be the thing that we're most focused on is preparing for, um, you know, uh, a transition and, yeah. and helping get our kids through this coronavirus challenge unscathed in their pregnancies. And um, so that's what we're most excited about. That's great. Does it, what, what kind of preparation are you guys taking? It's, it's such a cool thing that parents then have children and then those their children have children, but the parents, you and your wife, are still, you know, lending a helping hand. It's very, very Cool. How are you guys doing that? Well, it's interesting. My wife is taking up knitting, and my my wife is a, a very interesting uh, person. I'm very proud of her, but she um, she's very athletic. She does Ironman races and is very competitive, and not the type of person that you would think of as a knitter. But she is. Uh, she's she's made some hats and blankets, and uh, she's taking that because she wants to share her love with our um, grandchildren. So, and then there's been plans for you know, baby showers and things of that nature, which are now put on hold because who knows what's going to be able to transpire in the next you know, few weeks or months. Um, so just those things. And then, um, you know, uh, preparing the house. Uh, you know, um, our daughter is busy building out a nursery in their home. And my wife is excited about sharing thoughts on that and um, seeing that all come together. So just preparations and um uh, my father's still alive, so we'll have. Uh, we know we're having two boys, so uh, you know he's excited about that to, wow. to, to meet his great grandchildren. Wow. So That's lots of talk and excitement, and you know, reviewing um, the, the list of essentials that we need to have. Yeah, well, that's great. That's great. Best of luck with everything, and congratulations again. Well, thank you. Stepping back into the, uh, I suppose your experiences with owning a business, um, and, and leading it, how have you, how have you been able to enter into those conversations that you have to have, but are truly uncomfortable to have? What's your experience been with that? Coaching somebody out of the organization or things of that nature? I suppose what I'm imagining is, is, you know, when you have to talk about something, but it's, there's a roadblock in your mind because it's too uncomfortable to imagine the actual conversation happening or you're afraid of what, what might be discussed, you know, but, but these, these conversations are really important and, um, and avoiding them obviously doesn't lead to any positive changes. So, so just curious what experiences you've had with, 
with, you know, overcoming those, uh, whatever fears you might have for, you know, delving into those uncomfortable conversations or, or things of that nature. Yeah. What, what, in whatever ways those have manifested in your experience, how have you been able to overcome that? I guess I, I would say I try to be thoughtful and I try to understand to the best of my ability, the, the perspective and the impact that this, you know, situation will have on the people I'm talking to. Uh, so if it's, you know, letting somebody know that, you know, the organization is heading in a direction that there's just not going to be a role for them, you know, understanding what the impact is on them, you know, how are they going to receive it? What's, how's it going to change their day-to-day living? Um, mm-hmm. uh, I have a, a woman who used to uh, run one of our departments that we divested ourselves of, but, um, you know, she used to always talk about how when she had to make a change with a, a team member that it was talking about how they could be successful somewhere else. That just wasn't the, it's not that they weren't a good, a good person for the role. They weren't um, a, a good performer. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't the right role. So let's find the right role for you and help you identify that and get into that role. So uh, I think that all of that is understanding, you know, what the, the perception of that you know, the other folks involved and how it's going to impact them. Um, and then just being honest and you know, letting people know that, you know, you're, um, you know, that sometimes tough decisions have to be made and, um, you know, they're painful and they're challenging to, to people, um, letting the people know that, um, you know, I had to, to say goodbye to somebody who I think the world of. And I, um, you know, I, it hurt us from a friendship perspective, but I hope we can rebound from that. Um, but I understood what was important to her and tried to talk her through that. And I think by you know conveying to her how much I cared about her well-being, it made it a little bit easier for her to accept that transition. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Understanding and putting your and just taking the time to to imagine how they might receive it, and then being honest. Yeah, that, that's really practical. Practical. Um, practical insight, I would say. Um, all right. And, um, closing with this one question that I love to, I love to ask, um, it's about admiration and, and the way I like to pose the question is, is, um, it's from a psychological standpoint. Um, there's a psychologist that I've been listening to and I've mentioned him, I mentioned him all the time on the podcast, but his name's Jordan Peterson. And, and when he's working with his clients, because he's a clinical psychologist, he he recognizes the utility of of pinpointing who you admire, because admiration is, according to him, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but it is an instantaneous emotion that we feel. Um, you know, when you see people that are doing things that you want to do that that seem healthy or positive or seem good, you just instantaneously. Um, gravitate towards them or try to model their behavior. Um, so the question is who you admire, but I like to think of it as when I ask who you admire, who pops into your head, you know, right off the bat. Obviously there's, you know, there's lots of people. I'm sure many people would answer that question with, you know, Jesus Christ, the, the you know, various historical figures and things of that nature. Um, for me right now, someone who I really admire and look up to is a new partner I have, um, uh, Alex Campos. He's the uh, we in May of last year we we partnered with Venture uh, Employer Services uh, here at Access Point. Uh, they took an equity position in our organization, and so he's my partner now. 
Um, and he's a gentleman that, that came across from uh, Cuba at the age of three or four, um, uh, lived in the United States with a very humble background, uh, humble beginning. I don't really know all the details, uh, but he's um, really made an impression on me in the last you know, 10, 11 months that we've been partners. And um, he's built a great business. Um, you know, Access Point was about a $350 million organization. And now in collaboration with Venture overall, we're about a uh, $7 billion organization wow. uh, responsible for over 300,000 worksite employees, about 8,000 clients. Wow. Um, and he has tremendous integrity. Uh, I've talked with um, our private equity partners and, and other people who have known him a little longer than I have. And that seems to be the first thing that everybody talks about is, is his integrity. I just think it's such a great representation that here in America, somebody can come over um you know, from a completely different country, not speak the language and, you know, build a business and have the success and the impact on so many people's lives. You know, our, our whole organization now internally employs, I think, close to a thousand people. So those are a thousand jobs that have been created by this you know, young man who arrived on our beaches uh, as a three-year-old and has built this great business. And I'm happy and proud to be his partner. That's great. That, that's, that sounds really, really great. Um, I am curious though, when you say integrity, what, like day to day, how does that you know show up when you see somebody being integral, or you when you notice it within yourself? Like, what are those little actions that you that you consider to be integral? Well, I think integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's watching, people don't know about it. Number one, uh, number two, I think that you can have integrity but recall things differently. A, a good friend of mine that I had a conflict with at one point, and I had to actually testify in a case against his position. And he said to me after he goes, you know, I can I can understand how you recalled things that way. So it wasn't that you know he he recalled them differently, but he could see that my recollection had integrity uh, because we all see and process things differently. So it's not necessarily always being in an agreement, but you know just having integrity and doing things the right way and making the right decisions. Um, uh, and I think, as I said about uh, Alex, uh, he epitomizes that and. Uh, you know, we went through a, a transaction together and um, there's been lots of little you know, things that required clarification. And, and you know, from what I've seen, our deal is a, on the things that we talked about is as solid as the things we had written down on paper. So, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to another Deep Hire podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, if you or anybody else on your team thinks that you might be a good fit as a guest on our podcast, feel free to reach out on deephire.com. Have a great day. We love you. Love, Matt, and the Deep Hire team.